0: If you would this morning, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verses 4 through 8. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We are going to have PowerPoint. Good. Okay. Just checking there. I do want to mention before we begin this morning, um, without restating the obvious, we are super excited that Mike Briggs was voted in as our fourth pastor, the pastor of music and technology, and uh, so a wonderful display of unity for our church body uh, throughout the absentee voting, and then on Wednesday night, Wednesday night we had some just excellent questions come forth from the, the congregation And then the vote afterwards and uh, so he has officially uh, been voted in and we will keep you posted on the details Uh, some of the details simply couldn't be worked out until after the vote was taken and uh, most of the things that need to be worked out of course obviously are from his end with a house to sell with kids who are in school and uh, just a lot of things so but we will uh, inform you all along the way and especially when We are able to nail down a start date for uh, Mike and his family. Well, this morning we are continuing with our Christmas series, The Questions of Christmas. And this is the third week in a row that we have been in Revelation chapter 1. And we'll continue to look at this passage. So the first three of the five messages on the questions of Christmas come from this one passage. On Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we'll be looking at two different passages from this. But two weeks ago, uh, we looked at, can I trust this Jesus, this baby of Bethlehem, can I trust him? And we looked at verse 4 in the first part of verse 5. And then last week, we looked at, can this Jesus help me? Can this Jesus, this Jesus of Christmas, does he even care about the real-life problems that I face in the real-life world that I live in every single day? Well, this morning we come to verses 7 and 8, and they are powerful verses. I mean, all the verses of Scripture are equally inspired, but sometimes you just come to certain passages and they are so powerful. Look at verses 7 eight, and 8 of Revelation 1. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Well our first point this morning is Christmas and the future. As we continue to look at the questions of Christmas, we come to the subject of the future and how it relates to the baby born in Bethlehem. So our third question of this Christmas season is this, does this Jesus, this baby of Bethlehem, this baby born in the manger, Does this Jesus know and control the future? Now most people in the world today would say no. When Christians speak about prophecy and the future, the average person out there sees it as little more than religious science fiction. Kind of one of those apocalyptic movies. Interesting. Fascinating. They really don't believe it. It's kind of like X-Men Apocalypse or the Avengers Age of Ultron all talking about these ultimate end times kinds of things and that's kind of how they see the Bible and our talk about prophecy and the future. But this morning I also want to challenge us as Christians. Most Christians would say that Jesus knows the future. But when we say he controls the future, some Christians get a little squeamish. Now, I'm not talking about fatalism or determinism, but I want to challenge all of us. Jesus doesn't just know the future. He controls it. And he is orchestrating every event that relates to the future. And he is fully in control. Now, this is an important subject because the future can be a source of great anxiety and even paralyzing fear. And maybe there are some of you here this morning. And whether it was the past events of the election or just things that you see here in our country or around the world, you are afraid of the future and I want to thank Pastor Chad this morning for the excellent video that we showed, that invite video. People are curious. Some people are just afraid of, of what the future holds. And it all depends on their worldview or what they're thinking or where they're coming from as, as they view the world. All kinds of questions related to the future. Is the future a matter of random chance, accidents, and the whims of man? Is it really kind of the ultimate lottery? And we really don't know what's going to happen. We'll take our chances. Could be good, could be bad. We just really don't know. Some people ask, is the future totally dependent on who gets elected or who seizes power in any country around the world? Are we just totally dependent on who's elected or who rises as a dictator or emperor in any particular country? Does it all depend on those men and women who are in power? Some people ask, will the world continue on pretty much as it is? And it has been for thousands of years. And, and will it continue on this way for thousands more and even millions of years? Maybe we're we'll all get. Getting worried about nothing. Maybe life's gonna continue on. Oh yeah, we got some bumps along the road like wars and poverty and famine and upheaval and civil war and all of those things, but will won't life just basically just keep on going the way it is? I mean it has been for most of our lives. Some people think just the opposite. They wonder. Are we destroying ourselves? Are we slowly destroying ourselves and headed inevitably towards self-destruction and self-annihilation? Is there really no hope? Is everything going to fall apart in the future? Well, our second point this morning is Jesus, ruler of the future. In Revelation chapter 1, the apostle John begins verse 7 with an important statement. Behold... He is coming. The word behold here is a word of arresting urgency. It is the first of 25 times in which the word behold is used in the book of Revelation. It is behold. Pay attention. I want you to know something very, very important. He is coming. He is coming. And based on the authority of Scripture, we know with certainty that Jesus will return again. I don't know all the events of the future, or all the details, I should say, of the future, but I do know this. I will guarantee it based on the authority of Scripture, Jesus is coming again. He is going to return again. Now, I want you to know this morning that this reference in verse 7 is a reference to the second part of his second coming. And if you know that, it will help the passage make more sense. When we speak of the second coming of Jesus, we are really talking of one event in two parts, separated by the seven years of the tribulation. First, there will be the rapture of the church, where we will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. The church will be raptured. And then there will be seven years of tribulation, and then... Jesus will physically, visibly return to the earth to destroy his enemies and to set up his 1,000-year rule and reign known as the Millennial Kingdom. Verse 7 is talking about part 2 of his second coming. So I just want you to know that. So he says, Behold, he is coming. Now, I want you to, with me this morning, follow the logic of the passage. I want you to follow the logic that is being presented here by the Apostle John. In verse 4, in the first part of verse 5, we have this glorious description of the Trinity. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. As I explained two weeks ago, that is a reference to God the Father, the eternal Father. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne, that is a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one spirit, but the number seven here is the number of perfection, referring to the Holy Spirit in all of his perfection and in all of his completeness. And then in verse 5 it says, And and, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings of earth. And then, after this glorious description of the Trinity, we have the glorious message of the gospel in the second part of verse 5 and verse 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that's what we looked at last week. So, glorious description. Of the Trinity. Glorious presentation of the gospel message. And then John gets to the very heart and soul of what the book of Revelation is about Jesus is coming. So that's the flow here. That's the thought in this passage. And he says he is coming with the clouds. Now that's interesting here. The term with the clouds is used both uh, literally and figuratively or symbolically. It is used literally. John tells us that when Jesus returns, he is going to return with the clouds. This is not a surprise to us. In Acts chapter 1, when after Jesus' resurrection, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, it says that he was taken up in the clouds. When the rapture of the church takes place as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, it says, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the lord forever and then john says here in verse seven that when he comes again he will come with the clouds so it literally means the clouds but it is also figurative and symbolic in the sense that with the clouds refers to the brilliant light of god's glory And all of the pageantry and majestic scenery that will surround, excuse me, the second coming of Jesus. Really appreciated Nick's song this morning. Nick had emailed me a while back about what I was preaching on. And that song that he sang this morning goes perfectly, perfectly with this passage. I want you to know when Jesus returns again. According to Revelation 19. And if you're not familiar with the last half of that chapter, you need to read it and read it and reread it and reread it. Because it says that Jesus is going to come on a white horse. And he is going to be called faithful and true. And it says that he is going to come with the armies of heaven. And they will be dressed in fine linen, white and pure. He will be dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And on his robe and on his thigh will be written his name, King of kings and Lord of lords. And out of his mouth will come a sword with which he will destroy his enemies. And then with a rod of iron he will rule the nations. What a tremendous description of the second coming of Christ. And John says, behold, he is coming with the clouds. And then he says this, every eye will see him, even those who, who pierced him somehow some way those alive at that particular time when Jesus returns visibly and physically to the earth to destroy his enemies and to set up his kingdom at that time every eye on earth will see him It will light up the entire sky, the entire universe, and he will return in this incredible, majestic scene. And it says, even those who pierced him. Now, those who pierced him is not a reference to the Roman soldiers, but rather it is a reference to the Jewish leaders at the time when Jesus was crucified, who planned and plotted for his crucifixion. It is not a reference to all Jewish people, but to those Jewish religious leaders who were responsible for having Jesus crucified, for rejecting him as Messiah, rejecting him as the Son of God. Now, you may say this morning, but those people died a long time ago. How are they going to see him at this time? And that's a great question. What it refers to is all of those who are alive who have that same spirit and attitude. It refers to all of those who will be alive at that time who have the same kind of spirit and attitude as those Jewish religious leaders did. People who will still absolutely deny him deny that he is the one true savior deny that he is the coming Lord, will mock him and reject him. They will see him. And then it says, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. This is a reference to the unbelieving Gentile nations of that time. Those who worshipped false gods, who worshipped false spirits, who didn't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father through him, who rejected that, who who believe that all religions lead to heaven, all of those who rejected the gospel, rejected Christ, instead believed in their own man-made false religions, they will wail. The New International Version has they will mourn because they will realize as he comes, it was all true. Everything he said about himself, everything that he said about his coming, it's all true. And they will be cut to the heart. That's literally what it means when it says that they will wail on account of him. They will be cut to the chase, cut to the heart. Because everything that Jesus said, they will realize is true. And they were dead wrong. So John says, behold. Behold, readers. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. And then he says this, even so, amen. Now, that would be so easy to just pass over. But I want you to know something. Even so is the strongest Greek word or phrase of affirmation. Some translations have let it be so. Let it be as it was intended to be. Even so, again, let me say this, is the strongest Greek word or phrase that you could possibly use for affirmation. Amen is the strongest Hebrew word or phrase that could possibly be used for affirmation. So with the strongest Greek word and with the strongest Hebrew word, John says, even so. Amen. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen just like it says. But now watch this. In verse 8, the Lord God puts his signature of certainty on the second coming of Jesus as recorded in verse 7. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 8 is a reference to God the Father and is very similar, if you've noticed, to verse 4. Remember in verse 4 it says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So this is the Father's stamp of approval on everything just said about the coming of Jesus. Verse 8 represents the full authority of who God is. It is the full force of the attributes of God. During the Thanksgiving season, we placed a special emphasis on the attributes of God. During our Thanksgiving praise service, people gave praise and honor to God for his Glorious attributes, and here we have three specific attributes of God given to affirm and give full authority and credibility to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first is His omniscience that He knows everything, and He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. As many of you may know this morning, those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, but it is more than that. Those two letters, alpha and omega, represent the fullness of the whole alphabet and the fact that God knows everything. God knows everything about anything. He is the omniscient, all-knowing God. Then the second attribute of God that is used with force here is his eternality, who is and who was and who is to come. It is the fact that God has always existed. He didn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. He has always existed. And the ever-existent one is described as he who is, who was and who is to come and then it says the almighty referring to his omnipotence the fact that god is all-powerful he is the rule the one who rules and reigns over all things and has full power and authority he is the all-powerful all mighty god so follow along with what is happening here the all-knowing god says behold he is coming the eternal god says behold he is coming and the all-powerful god says behold he is coming Let me say something to you this morning, and if you remember nothing else when you leave this morning, remember this. Nothing can prevent the second coming of Jesus from happening. It is certain. I'm going to tell you this morning, it is going to happen, and it is going to happen just as it is described in the pages of God's Word. Nothing can keep the second coming of Christ from happening. It is is certain. Let me tell you about the future. I am not a prophet except one who proclaims the truth of God. But I have no special gift of prophecy. I have no crystal ball, but I'm going to tell you the future. I'm going to tell you based upon the authority of God's word, one day the church will be raptured from this earth. It is an imminent rapture, meaning that it could happen at any time. It could happen today. Let me tell you the future. One day, the Antichrist will rise to power. He will be a one world ruler. He will reign with great evil and wickedness. He will wreak havoc upon believers and upon the Jewish people, and he will come to power. His reign will be short, but it will be one with great power, great earthly power, I should say, and great terror. One day, I am going to guarantee you, there will be seven years of tribulation that will come upon the earth. The Bible says this will be the worst time to ever come upon the earth, unlike any before it, and there will not be anything like it after it. I want you to know this morning that one day, as I described earlier, Jesus will return in power and great glory. He will destroy his enemies and he will establish his millennial kingdom. Let me tell you this morning that one day there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth in which God will rule and reign over us forever and ever. Does Jesus know and control the future? He is the future. He's got it all under control. He is guiding it right now in ways that are beyond our imaginations And no matter what we see with our earthly eyes and hearts, everything that is happening around us is moving like a great train toward the end time events that have been ordained and are being worked out by our lord and savior jesus christ and you may be asking this morning what in the world does this have to do with christmas and i want you to know it has everything to do with christmas the christmas excuse me the christmas story describes a baby born in lowly conditions who will one day sovereignly rule over all things when that baby was born in bethlehem his destiny was to be the ruler the controller Of all things, the ruler and controller of the future. Let me give you just a couple of examples this morning. Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary to tell her she is going to be with child. And in verses 31 through 33, Gabriel says to Mary, watch this, and behold, behold, there's that word again, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now watch this, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Gabriel says, Mary, I want you to know, I know the future. You are going to bear a son, and he is going to reign on the throne of David. He will reign forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. The prophet Micah says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Bethlehem, I want you to know something. A ruler is going to be born among you, and someone is going to be born who is from eternity past. Let me tell you, this is far more incredible than any science fiction movie you will ever see. Micah is saying someone is going to be born in the little town of Bethlehem who has always existed. He is, and obviously a whole sermon in and of itself, he is from of old. He is from ancient days. Someone from of old, from eternity past, is actually going to be born in time and space, reality in little Bethlehem. We think of Isaiah chapter 9. We love to quote verse 6, but when you quote verse 6, also quote verse 7. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now watch this. Of the increase of his government, here's the future. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Now watch this again. From this time forth and forevermore. Does this Jesus know and control the future? <laughs> Absolutely, he does. He controls every aspect of it. Here is what I think our response should be based upon the scriptures we should joyfully and gladly. Submit our lives to Jesus Christ and let him guide and direct us in his perfect plan. Bow before him, submit to him joyfully, gladly, willingly. If you don't know him as your savior this morning, more than anything else, God wants you to receive his free gift of salvation to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, to invite him into your life, to be your personal Lord and Savior. And if you know him this morning, don't worry about the future. He's got it. Okay, He's got this one. Submit to him. Yield to him. Obey him. This is how I like to think of it. There's a great train. There's a great train going toward eternity. And it's a fast train. I mean, it's really fast. And it's headed towards the end times. And it is for certain. And you know what the conductor is saying? All aboard. All aboard. Get on the train. And you don't have to worry about anything. Obey him. Proclaim him. Live for him. But... Let me tell you something, folks. We're along for one of the greatest rides, or I should say the greatest ride ever. We are. We're along for the ride, and we don't want to be anywhere else. We want to be in the center of God's will because he knows and controls the future. We're going to end this morning with a song that isn't typically a traditional Christmas song, but it's a great song that goes along with this message, and that's All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. I I, I just love the title, All Hail Jesus. Let's not say that about any earthly ruler, but we can say it about our heavenly king. All hail the power of Jesus' name. And in the fourth stanza, it says, Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall, will join the everlasting song and crown him lord of all we will we will because he knows and controls the future let's pray together father help us to find such great joy and exhilaration in serving you and living for you knowing And it is hard for us to even fathom, oh Lord, that you are totally in control. That history is going in a very specific direction. And you are coordinating and guiding all of the events. Thank you, thank you, praise you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.